HVAC 360, episode number 41, Air Handling Unit Commissioning. Hey, welcome back everybody to another episode of HVAC 360. I'm your host, Matt Nelson. This week we're going to... uh, I'm going to change gears a little bit and talk a little bit about sharing my knowledge here as far as air handling unit commissioning, what I do when I get to the field to check out an air handling unit. Now, this is going to focus mostly on actually built-up units that sit inside, not so much rooftop units. Those are a little bit different. There are some similarities, but I'll let you ferret those out. What I am going to talk about today a little bit is about some of the unit information that you get off the unit, a little bit about what you do looking at the unit, the inside, you know, the outside, the inside, going through the pieces parts that you need to to take a look at, uh, and we're finally going to talk a little bit about what you do to functionally test a air handling unit. So when you when you approach an air handling unit. Um, this is, I mean, essentially when you, when you talk about an air handling unit, it's, it's really nothing more than a box with a fan and a coil in it. You know, it really is a glorified unit that you'd have in your house, a furnace. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how you kind of, when you get into the industry, you kind of envision these air handling units being these, you know, these great, you know, works of engineering, and you know, once you once you've actually toured in like a factory, you realize, okay, well, they just put sheet metal panels together around an uh, around a fan and a uh, a box, and they call it an air handling unit. Kind of takes you know, when, when once you see behind the curtain, you were like, oh, is that all it is? You know, but it, I mean, truly is an amazing uh, piece of engineering as far as you know, knowing. You know, having those ratings and and knowing exactly what the pressure drops are and and have them you know straightened out. So as as much as I kind of downplay the fact that they're just kind of boxes with fans in them, um, they really are kind of great engineered pieces. Um, so a couple of things that you want to look for when you actually go out in the field, you know, this is this is your chance to kind of finalize this this process that you've been going through with your pre-functional checks, just kind of uh, ch- you know checking to make sure that okay what was on the design uh is actually on the submittal and now it's out in the field so you want to take a take a take a look at the air handling units you want to make sure the tags right you want to make sure they got the right air handle in the right place uh trust me you know i have i have gotten this wrong you know once or twice um, well, not, not, I didn't get it wrong. The, um, the, the, you know, the people putting, you know, the rooftop units, uh, on the roof actually got the rooftop on the wrong location. So it, it caused, it caused a little bit of an issue because they weren't the same, they didn't have the same electrical characteristics. So there's a little bit of a, a hiccup there, but just make sure that, you know, what is there is supposed to be there and make sure that they haven't actually, you know, put air handling unit number seven in spot of air handling unit number eight. So they, they get those straightened out. Obviously, you know, the key to all of these, you know, checks and balances is to make sure that you get them done in a um, in the in the appropriate manner. Uh, make sure that you connect 
whether it's early in construction, make sure that you connect with the contractor uh, in a manner so that they can actually make a change. So they're not kind of hamstrung and you kind of said, you know, it's like you know, telling somebody to be careful with a knife after they cut themselves. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you want to get as early as you can in the process. So when we go through these things and look at them, obviously, you know, this is something that you want to get done right when, you know, they set the units or when you go around. Usually, 99% of the time, you're not going to have an issue with this. But obviously, if you get it wrong 1% of the time, it's going to make a huge difference. So just, to, you know, verify that. Go through, make sure your you know manufacturer model number, serial number, actually get that stuff down on the sheet. Uh, complete that information. Check the voltages. Check the horsepower of the the, the fan motor. Uh, you know, it's it, in all seriousness. You know, getting the air handling unit in the wrong spot, uh, highly unlikely. Actually, the the motor. Uh, I've seen scenarios where even though it may be as equally as unlikely. I've I've seen scenarios where there was supposed to be a 50 horsepower motor in a unit and it got changed out. It had a 10 horsepower motor in it, um, and you know whether that was somebody uh, you know some it came uh, incorrectly from the factory. I think in this in this particular case somebody wanted the the copper windings in the motor, so they had swapped out this huge motor for a smaller motor, and they thought it would it would it would get passed. So make sure that you know what it says on the the label on the casing um, actually gets installed the, in the unit. Most of the unit manufacturers, that's pretty good. Um, it's pretty clear exactly where the information is. They'll have it on multiple spots as far as model number serial number so the tagging's pretty good uh the one thing that i will kind of uh you know highlight here it it varies from manufacturer to manufacturer exactly uh how they uh identify the types and number uh, quantity of uh air handling the uh, motor belts and the uh the filters. So make sure that that's on there somewhere because that's going to be a big help to the maintenance people so they don't have to kind of, you know, reinvent the wheel and uh, every single time they can actually look on the casing. Sometimes it's on the inside door. When you open it up, it'll have that information uh there as well. So you got a lot of that air handling unit number air handling unit information um right there. Now when you when you approach the unit, you do kind of the walk around. Um and again, you want to make sure that the, the case is in, in good condition. Typically, you know, a lot of these air handling units are gonna they're gonna drop them in sections. They're gonna not gonna come as one big whole unit. They're gonna be craned in or um, you know moved in in pieces. You know, depending on you know the submittal, it might be uh, as many as you know five pieces, you know, as few as you know three or two, uh, all depending on the size. So. These things are kind of they, you know they 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 kind of get them into place. They set them on uh, the curb, and um, or not not well like a concrete curb, like a housekeeping pad. Um, but they'll set them together and they'll bolt them, and they'll make sure they're you know gasket gasketing you know between the sections are are nice and tight, so there's not a lot of air leakage there. Um, and then they'll put some of the finishing plates um, around around them. But you want to make sure that the you know they didn't you know put it together weird or angled in a certain location. Usually they're pretty good about that. But sometimes you know when you're craning something in, it may get dropped. 
um, on a corner. You might have you know some sudden movement, uh, so there might be some damage there, and you know how you know how that impacts the performance. You, you never can tell. Uh, even though you know if it was the motor section that that got got damaged or the you know some of the other sections it it kind of varies, but you want to make sure that the casing's in good condition it 's usually a, a pretty good pretty quick check also sometimes they 'll use you know they'll they 'll be you know standing on the air handling unit to install some of the ductwork or some people will you know uh, somehow yeah you know st- you know step on it and the casing might be dented. Um, in general, you just want to make sure it's in good condition. You make sure make sure there's not any gaps, or it's not. Uh, um, you know, it, basically at this point, you're the owner's eyes and ears. You know what an air handling unit's supposed to look like. So you wouldn't want a car that got scratched up or dinged up when it showed up uh, on your uh, in your driveway. So definitely, you know, be an advocate for the owner uh, when you're taking a look at this. As far as some other things that you want to check, you want to make sure that it has the proper equipment curb on it. Uh, usually this is like a four-inch housekeeping pad to be able to, um, you know, sweep around or wash around. It doesn't, it, it kind of gets the equipment up and off the ground. Generally speaking, it's a good idea for all mechanical equipment, but air handling unit uh, might be especially good. One thing to keep in mind, and this kind of goes back to the design, um, you know, you have, a, you have, a, and this is all on the condensate drain kind of side. Uh, one thing is when you go back to doing your checks uh, in des- the design review, uh, or you know, even thinking about installing a unit, we make sure that there's a drain somewhere uh, in the vicinity, so you don't have to have a a drain line that kind of goes across the floor and is you know becomes a tripping hazard for people. Uh, another thing to think about in that same kind of uh, condensate drainage aspect you know typically a four inch housekeeping pad is like engine in industry standard but if you have extra pressure drop in your unit your trap might be especially deep so to prevent them from cutting the floor you might think of either putting it on another uh, a base rail on your uh, unit or make actually make the uh, the four inch curb maybe an eight inch curb so you get a, an extra lift off the uh, off the floor there so you don't have to uh, uh, you know, cut into it so that's one thing to think about. Obviously, you could have exterior um, vibration isolation on a unit. Typically, that's not going to be that's that's not seen on a uh, on a unit like this. Um, just because you typically have vibration isolators in the fan. However, if you don't have the have them in the fan or the fan gets locked down, you can have the the base rail. But the rule of thumb is you want to just have one uh, vibration isolation. Uh, uh, one one set of vibration isolators. You don't want to have two. You don't want to have the fan and something on the, the base rail of the unit. And the base rail is what I you know all the way around the perimeter of the unit that would be considered a base rail. So you don't want to have two competing forces because things can start to uh, to oscillate really weird, and uh, you know that that can be bad for for the unit. So. Generally speaking, it's not a big issue, but uh, just something to think about. Obviously, doors, you want to make sure that you check all the doors. Make sure the handles are are there, they're operable. Um, you can open them up, close them. Uh, sometimes when you have you have these double-decker units for some of the energy recovery wheels, when you have, uh, you know, these uh, uh, counter airflows uh, going across the unit, you'll have these extra-high units. Uh, is it you know feasible to actually reach that you know the top uh, 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 the topmost handle on that door? 
you know, sometimes different manufacturers make them different ways. Um, I could go a, a long way uh, about the different uh, do's and don'ts and, and, and my personal preference as far as what I like to see. It's not something you necessarily get to choose, which kind of, you know, when you as a designer, you don't say, well, you know what, I want these type of handles. You, you're really kind of locked into whatever the, the standard uh, for that type of manufacturer is. I wish you could choose them a little bit more like you know they have an economy handle or a deluxe handle where you could actually have you know one handle that opens you know you know three different um you know three different you know locking mechanisms uh for the door to keep that casing nice and tight obviously you want to be careful to make sure that you know depending on whether or not you're in a a positive pressure area like the uh, supply fan section or a negative uh area you want to you want to be aware of that just so in case the unit's on sometimes you might want to open the door you might get blown away uh if you don't realize exactly okay is the door going to open up because of the positive pressure inside or is there going to be a suction pressure that once i open it up i'm going to have to pull extra hard on the handles so other things you want to want to take a look at uh around the um um, around the around the unit while you're walking around, just the piping insulation, whether or not it's there, whether or not it's labeled, whether or not you have access to all the different balancing ports uh, for the unit. Make sure that it's out of the way and uh, you can easily open all the doors. That's a general, you know, one of the things when I approach a unit, you know, we shut it off, I'll open up all the doors, make sure you have good access. There again, you know, if you if you're investigating the unit, early in construction and not all the insulations on the piping and not all the pipings installed, it may not necessarily be completely obvious that something is going to be, you know, in that way, in the, you know, in the way of the unit. You know, I don't even like, you know, the piping, you know, the insulation on the piping being in the way of that door because eventually, you know, it just, it takes, just takes a little bit and that starts to rip and, you know, and, you know, not too many times later, it's just going to fall off the pipe. So, you want to make sure that those those uh, those are covered. So now that we've kind of covered the outside, let's let's get inside the unit a little bit. So starting from the the front end, the front end being the fan. Uh, take a look at the fan section. Make sure it's clean. Make sure that uh, you know it depends if you have a uh, a fan motor that's a, a direct drive, which is becoming more common. It used to be typically less common. Um, a direct drive fan. Uh, you do usually have multiples of these, uh, or uh, if you just have a belt drive for these motors, um, to make sure that you know everything's in good condition. You're not seeing a lot of uh, you know uh, 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 you know uh, dust, belt dust around. That's usually an indication of you know poor wear. You might want to bump the fans a little bit. Uh, if they have VFDs, you might want to put them in hand for a second and watch them just start to spin up to make sure they're they're spinning in the right direction. Um, you know, generally take a look at at the motor, take a look at the the horsepower in the motor, verify that you know it's right. Um, you know, make sure that that all the all the shivs uh, are right. Make sure that the uh, uh, it's been greased. Um, these. Uh, both the uh, the fans and the the motors may have grease fittings you know around the uh, uh you know around the shaft that you want to be able to take a look at and and sometimes they'll extend these grease fittings you know to uh, locations outside the uh 
outside the fan or outside the uh, the casing, which is great just for uh, you know maintenance. You could just go up to the casing, just hit it with a couple uh, you know pumps of grease, and and you can uh, you know do your regular maintenance there. Otherwise, you have to kind of get inside the unit, you know, take it to the Zert fitting, you know, put you know pump a couple of uh, uh, squirts of uh, grease in there to grease up those bearings. Some motors don't even have uh, fittings; they're 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 totally enclosed, and you know they have lifetime bearings or whatever. So some don't need the kind of maintenance uh, that you'd see in 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 all of them. So just kind of know what to what to expect there. Um, let's see what else. Make sure that the shroud is in place. Uh, typically, on some of these fans, they'll protect. Uh, you know, for you know, just in in general, uh, they'll have a shroud over the, uh, you know, over the belt on the fan. Now, you know, I've you know, and you know, when when things when the belt tension isn't adjusted properly and the belts get uh, you know belts get out of control, I can see this uh, this shroud, and I've seen it a couple of times where the shroud has just become this cheese grater of the belt and uh, you get these uh, you know black burned uh, shrouds that, that the maintenance people end up taking off because you know they think they're the problem not that they haven't you know tensioned the belts correctly or matched the belts or however you have you know however you have to do it so um, you want to make sure that that those are in place and secure and not kind of you know laying off to the side that might be an indication of some some other problem so that's the kind of the fan section. Sometimes you'll have a uh, on a uh, like a flexible boot um, on there. You want to make sure that's intact, that that's not ripped uh, for some reason. Uh, the fans usually will sit on the support structure uh, for that isolation. You want to make sure that that has been all the shipping uh, shipping bolts have been released off of that, and that it's it's able to uh, uh, the vibration is able to uh, vibration isolators are able to move freely. Uh, that's going to be important. Um, again, you know, refer back to the uh, the base rail vibration isolator. Typically, you're going to only have one. Now, going on to the coil section, uh, coils, cooling coils, heating coils, uh, they're all pretty much the same. Just just take a look at, make sure they're in good condition. Make sure that they're not dirty or you know they've they've been you know run for some reason inappropriately where they would uh, they've been run during construction. Um, you may have in you may have in some cases uh, where somebody's been inside there and maybe leaned up against the coil or or maybe it just came that way that that some of the fins are bent over. You can actually take a tool uh, or have them have the you know make a note and have the mechanical contractor come back and use a a, a, a coil comb and be able to uh, you know straighten out those fins. Uh, typically, that's going to be if you know if it stays like that, it's going to be a you know a hot spot or a you know cold spot. It's not it's it's and it's just going to collect more dirt and dust depending on which side of the coil it's on. So you want to make sure that it's in general that it's uh that's pretty good. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna nickel and dime every single uh, time I see a, a couple bent over fins, but you know in some cases you've seen significant areas where you know that somebody's come in there and you know just accidentally you know you know done a large area and, and you need to you need that's going to affect the efficiency of that coil so you need to have the mechanical contactor uh get that corrected obviously with a drain pan underneath the coils you want to make sure that's properly installed that's going to be under the cooling coil rather than you know it's not going to be under the heating coil so you want to make sure it's under the cooling coil 
Uh, you want to make sure that it is uh, draining properly. Typically, they're going to have, depending on the size of the unit, they might have a you know uh, uh, a single slope towards the, the the drain on the one side. They might have a compound slope. The whole thought you know the whole thought behind the drain pan and the uh, the multiple slopes is not to have standing water. That's that's the one thing you don't want to have. Um, is standing water in a unit, and again, that kind of gets back to the the drain. I've seen it more than once, I, more than I thought that I would ever see it. Uh, you know, because as a, as an engineer, I'm thinking drains; those are simple. You just kind of install them, right? No, you have to make sure that the static pressure is 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 right, and they're not actually holding water in the unit, because ultimately that's what's going to happen. If you if you don't have it sized properly, uh, you're going to have uh, additional condensate sitting in the unit just as a kind of a pool waiting to, to push its way out, um, you know, if the suction is, is, is too great for the trap. Um, otherwise, you, if, if you don't have it uh, done properly, it's actually just going to start sucking air in through that drain. It's not going to – it's going to kind of do the opposite. So both situations are, are bad. Um, I would say, you know, 99% of the time if you're using a standard unit – most of the contractors get it right because it's just a couple of elbows. Um, if you have something with a energy recovery wheel or something with additional static pressure drop, you're going to want to pay close attention uh, to that drain to make sure that um, you know is draining properly. Another thing about the coils, obviously, this is the area that you're going to have your mixed air sensors, um, your averaging sensors. Uh, or your free stat. Now I'm going to get in the free stat in a different episode. I'm, you know, that's a that's another favorite topic of mine. I can go all day on that, but just suffice suffice it to say, you know, these are the areas that you know, just make sure they're installed properly, um, and uh, that they they have good coil coverage. Moving back into the unit, we get into the the damper section typically. You know, and again, you know, this is a Kind of what I'm describing is is more of a, a, a draw through unit where it actually draws the air through the coil uh, as opposed to a blow through unit, which it's the fan is behind the coils and blows that way. So on a draw through unit, you know this is, is drawing through the coils. Um, at the back end, you're going to typically have you're going to have the return air damper and the outside air damper, and you're going to have the filters. Now the one thing you want to make sure is you want to make sure you want to make sure and check the the uh the dampers uh to make sure that they have been uh secure. You know, obviously when you get into the functional testing you're going to do some other things, but right now you just want to kind of grab them and make sure that you can't move them. Uh that you know, that's the, usually the sign of a, a you know, if the damper is properly adjusted that if you grab it with your hand and and try to move it that it won't, you know, there's a number of times when you know, they're just not tightened down enough to the shaft that you actually be able to move them by hand and that's going to that's going to present some some problems when you go to uh to try to functionally test you're not going to have that close off uh real good sometimes you're going to have you know, I've seen scenarios where you have two damper actuators actuating you know uh the outside air damper and the return air damper separately uh, there's going to be cases where they're going to have one damper actuator, and they're going to have a linkage between the two. So you're going to, you know, when one's completely open, the other one's completely closed. Uh, but you know, depending on your configuration, yeah, and again, this is where the controls contractor comes into play, um, and the, uh, you know, what the what the engineer wanted. So look for that. See, make sure that that all the wires are connected and things like that. 
Um, let's see, what else? Obviously, the filter racks. Make sure the filter racks, there's no, no gaps. There's no, uh, it, everything's installed properly, you know, at the end. And, and this is more critical. Sometimes they're going to put thin construction filters uh, during, during construction or when they're just kind of, you know, running the general air. When they actually balance, they should have the actual filters that they have in the units. Uh, these are going to be full-size filters. And you want to make sure that, you know, there's no gaps. It's, it's not missing. Uh, sometimes when it gets to the end, uh, there's, there's going to be some sort of, uh, you know, foam or some flexible uh, sheet metal pieces, some uh, springy pieces that go in the end to make sure that there's a tight fit between the door and the filters. You don't want to have any sort of gaps where the, where the air will just bypass there. Uh, so you want to make sure that that's a nice, nice good fit for the filters. Now we get on to some of the, the favorite topics. You get into the sensors. So, you know, through the units, you know, depending on what kind of units you have, you might have airflow sensors uh, somewhere around the unit. Sometimes on uh, some of the units, they're going to be integrated into the, uh, like into the dampers, into the, uh, the discharge of the, uh, the fans. They're going to have some sort of flow rings that, uh, you know, depending on the manufacturer. Obviously, you're going to have averaging sensors like we talked about, these uh, long tubes. Uh, it's a, typically a thicker tube than you'd see on a, on a Freestat sensor. Um, and that'll kind of go back and forth across a coil. Uh, you have uh, different sensors for water uh, in your piping. You're going to have different sensors that uh, might be, and these are all kind of BAS sensors that I'm, I'm describing. You're going to have sensors for the uh, uh, temperature. You're going to have sensors for the uh, relative humidity. Uh, Freestat, you're going to have high and low limit sensors. Um, now, these are more common, the high limit uh, sensor is more common in sort of the VAV type of application uh, where you, and, and the, the whole reason for this high limit sensor is that, you know, when you turn on the, uh, on the fan, the ductwork has, is rated for so much, uh, so much pressure. So if you've sized your fan to, or sized your system to run at, say, 50% power or 60% power, and all of a sudden your VFD goes and you put it in bypass and it goes up to 100%, it could potentially blow out the ductwork. And, of course, obviously that's bad. So what the high limit is, is it say, okay, you know what, the high limit's there to protect the ductwork. If it exceeds the high limit, it's going to trip, and it typically is going to be a manual reset where somebody has to go and physically push that button uh, to reset that. Some of the free stats, some of the other sensors, those can be, you know, uh, depending. Uh, some could be automatic, some can be manual. Um, a lot of times you want the free stat uh, to be like a manual reset. Um, a lot of times that's going to be real inconvenient if something trips out. Uh, free stats, especially in colder, well, you know, in colder climates, that's where you're going to use them. But in colder climates, you're going to have scenarios where, uh, when, especially when you're starting up the unit, that's going to trip out on these nuisance trips, uh, and it's going to be really frustrating. There's going to be the, the, um, the, the urge to bypass the safety, um, and you, you really don't want that to happen. Um, and you don't want to say, you know what, I'm going to put an uh, automatic reset on it, because I've seen cases where they've had automatic resets on free stats where it, it's, it's tripped once, reset, tripped again, reset, tripped a third time, reset, finally, it, 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 you know, the, uh, the coil was cold enough, it just froze and burst. So that scenario, an automatic reset, you know, if somebody's not there to go and check out 
the danger, uh, uh, you know, the situation, that's going to be bad. So those are some of the sensors. Obviously, smoke detectors are there, and there's uh, differential pressure sensors. Now, a lot of these uh, sensors, uh, you're going to have... you know, there's different types or different ways to uh, to to, uh, to calibrate them. Um, you can go through and with a handheld calibration, make sure that you know with the the temperature sensor and the humidity sensors, uh, you can go in there and you know make sure kind of side by side comparison, drill a hole in the com- the casing, patch it up afterwards, but just kind of get you know a a sense as to whether that's accurate. It's kind of critical, especially on a uh, you know, on a unit that's tracking to a supplier temperature, that that's fairly accurate. If that goes off by four or five degrees, you know, that could, you know, throw the whole, you know, uh, 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 control sequence out of whack. That, you know, that could be a, a, a critical piece uh, to be able to, uh, you know, track that, uh, track the temperature. So you always want to make sure that that, you know, discharge air temperature sensor, whatever, whatever you're controlling to, make sure that's accurate. Um, with the uh, the free the with all the uh, uh, low temperature or, or low limit high limit kind of trips um, and also the differential pressures on the filters and this actually extends to um, the uh, d- differential pressures that you'd see some of the differential pressure gauges <clears throat> on the unit excuse me you want to make sure that the low and the high side are connected properly because th- these these sensors are operated on kind of a bellows principle. So if if one side of the bellows is, uh, you know, exceeds the limit, it's going to trip. So typically you're going to have two ports on these sensors and they're going to be labeled low and high. So you really got to know exactly what, you know, at what point, you know, is your low side um, that you're trying to measure and what side's the high side. Uh, typically on like a high limit, you're going to have the low side you're going to have the the, the uh, sensor kind of like on the outside of the uh, supply fan section or the, or the uh, supply air duct, and you're going to have the low section um, or the the low port open to the atmosphere. You're going to have the high port ducted into the um, the casing or the ductwork, and that's how it's how it's going to be configured. Sometimes you get that backwards. It's 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 you know it it totally doesn't work. So you want to make sure that you understand and take a look at those ports to make sure that they're connected properly. Make sure the fittings are tight. Make sure the tubing is is actually uh, installed and inserted. Uh, and it just kind of doesn't doesn't you know doesn't look that way. So that's uh, some of the things that I've I've seen uh, on those sensors. Obviously, when you're talking about uh, pressure and temperature gauges or uh, yeah temperature and pressure gauges uh, on the piping. Some some engineers like to put the uh, the temperature and the pressure gauges. Most often, you're going to have the temperature gauges. Make sure they're the right scale. I've seen a lot of them where you know you take a a, a chilled water uh, coil, for instance, and if you use a uh, a scale that's either say one to two one to two fit one to two forty or uh, one to, you know one to one eighty, it's really you know you're really not going to see that forty degree. You know, temperature that's going to be right down the bottom, and it's not going to—it's not going to read properly. It's not going to look right. Um, so you want to be able to get like the one to one hundred on the chilled water, and the the hot water can be you know the one to one eighty or the one to two forty, whatever you want there. Uh, but make sure that you kind of mix and match. Sometimes you know, and these are kind of the the really the bane of of the mechanical contractor. I've I've just went you know through a a bunch of units and. 
you know, it's it's you know, they're just they're done. They're right, you know, right about to to walk off the job, and I have to come back to them and say, hey, you know what, you know, I got I got at least you know four or six of these, uh, um, you know, these uh, thermometers that are totally busted open um, that aren't working. I mean, these are these are kind of you know a little bit sensitive, a little bit you know problematic. Usually, when they fail, you you can you can see. Uh, on the other hand. You know, pressure sensors, little pressure indicators, pressure gauges, those aren't as easy to, uh, you, you don't know when they fail. Uh, you see them less on the coils, but, um, you know, it really depends on the engineer if they like to see the pressure drop across a coil. Sometimes, you know, and, and sometimes they'll use two, sometimes they'll, uh, you know, manifold them together and have a single, you know, gauge, so you either know or you don't. Um, you know, you don't have, you don't have to guess if one is off and the other one's correct. You can just have one gauge. Sometimes, you know, you just leave the ports in there and, you know, you let the maintenance crew have a, uh, you know, a calibrated, uh, you know, calibrated pressure gauge. And so they can go around and, and check the pressure drops, uh, across the coils if they want. So a lot of, you know, problematic. And a lot of times you're, you're dealing with, uh, uh, you don't have a lot of confidence, uh, especially the contractors don't have a lot of confidence that a lot of these, you know, especially pressure gauges are working. A lot of times you, you, you kind of know by feel if the temperature gauges are off, but usually they don't, uh, you know, they don't work like that. Either they're broken or they're, they're working fine. So um, that is some of the gauges. Again, we kind of went through the, the calibration. Um, with the, so with the calibration for some of the temperature and humidity, you can use the handheld sensors. If you're doing the uh, the pressure differentials, um, you can use a magnahelic. And essentially, it, kind of what you do is, is is you hook it up and you blow into the magnahelic, and you kind of you watch the 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 temp you know, watch the pressure go up, go up, go up, go up, and then when it hits you know where it, it should trip out, you're going to see it you know click. It's gonna it's gonna click and trip the device. So you want to make sure that you can you know slowly increase the pressure in the magnahelic and watching the magnahelic, and then you're going to hear that device click out. So all these have kind of like little adjustments on the the pressure gauges. So that's uh, that's rather good. So now you've kind of gone through and you've inspected the installation of the equipment of the air handling unit. Now, you get down to brass tacks. You're ready to test the sequence of the unit. But wait, prior to testing the sequence, you want to make sure that you have and, and talk to the, uh, uh, you know, wh whoever the controls contractor is, you want to make sure you have all the set points down. Uh, make sure that you, know, you just ask them, okay, you know, where exactly are all, the, all these set points? Make sure you document them. Make sure you get the schedule. Um, a lot of times, and you know, here's an atten you know, attention engineer's, there's a there's a number of these numbers that engineers notoriously don't put on drawings. Uh, they won't tell them what the schedule is going to be. They will let the uh, controls contractor figure it out on themselves, or just kind of put something in general in. Take some time to document, and it would be great just to have it in sort of like a uh, uh, a matrix, so just a just a, a, a table form. Uh, in your specifications to say, okay, here's where I want all my set points to be set at. What do you want the, you know, what, what do you want the static pressure control to be set at? You know, all these are adjustable, 
But if at least if you you know if you get them a starting point, they can all set them like that out the door, and 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 you're good. You know, if you change it, great. You know, change change the table. You know, modify it, whatever. But just don't leave them guessing. Just don't leave them you know doing you know what they've always done. Um, so have a sense have a sense of what to set it at. Don't don't ever not you know just don't leave it to up to them. That's not really fair. You're the engineer. You should be dictating, dictating these things. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Just go ahead and you know. I mean, all these things are adjustable, so you know, you know, change it from there. So you got all the all the data points right there, and you're ready to test the sequences. Now, typically, you kind of you, now you've 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 got to look at the sequence of operation. I'll kind of cover this, this in general because it's going to be different from job to job. You're not always you know. I mean, up to this point, you could probably use you know 99% of this stuff, and now you're going to have to pick and choose. Um, typically, de- based on what you'd have, um, you're going to have uh, to determine, okay, you know, you're going to, you're going to take it into unoccupied, have the unit in unoccupied, go around and you make sure, you know, all the fans are off. You make sure that all the valves are in their normally, you know, unoccupied positions, whether that be open or closed. It depends on the sequence. Uh, sometimes you're going to have both valves closed. Sometimes you're going to have both valves open. I, you know, it depends on the sequence from there. You're gonna to have to make sure that you you want to make sure your outside air damper is closed. Uh, your, your your return amper return air damper is completely open. Typically, those that's not going to change. You know, again, you don't want outside air infiltrating your space. You know, uncontrolled because that's typically that's going to be bad. So now you're gonna you're gonna go through and you're gonna go make sure that you know your unoccupied heating takes effect. You want to make sure that you're not occupied. Cooling takes effect, where the fan, where the the, the um, where the unit will kick on, the fan will start. Um, you're going to see the the return amper still at 100. percent You're going to see that outdoor air damper at zero because again we're at in the nighttime. There's nobody in the in the space. We just want to make sure that it's 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 cooled to those night setback temperatures. So you you verify that. Now you can go into an un, or, or into an occupied mode. You start up the fan. Sometimes you're going to test a morning warm-up, depending on what kind of sequence that you have. Again, the morning warm-up is going to be kind of like uh, you know uh, when it trips on in an unoccupied mode. You're going to have the return air damper 100% closed, or the return air damper open, the outside air damper completely closed, and you are going to um, you know discharge the air temperature. You're going to you know, typically open up if you're in a VAV situation. You're going to have the VAVs open up 100%, uh, go into a certain mode, and just, you know, try to heat up the space, bring it up to temperature, uh, you know, bring it up from that unoccupied set point to that occupied set point as, you know, as quickly as possible. So depending on the type of unit and the type of control system, sometimes you're going to have different ways of doing that, different optimization schedules that, that, that they can set in place there. But in general, you know, once you get, into, uh, uh, you get into that occupied mode, make sure everything's modulating correctly, following that sequence of operation. You're going to test out your heating modes. You're going to test out your cooling modes. Make sure they're not doing it at the same time. And uh, test out your economizer mode, if that's, in fact, what you, you have with your sequence. 
Obviously, you want to be able to track your static pressure on a VAV system. Um, you, you know whether or not the uh, you, when you change your static pressure, your VAV and your your supply fan will track with that uh, new static pressure set point. Obviously, you want to make sure your safeties work as well. So all these are going to be kind of things that you're going to test out in your functional testing. Now, my stance on functional testing: your your functional testing is kind of yeah, whether you do it through the front end, whether you do it through a, a local control panel uh, with the the control, you know, with the controls contractor there, uh, this is kind of you're watching, you're taking a snapshot. You're saying, okay, you know what? I I I put it into conditions, and I would expect it to do this, and it did that. Well, you know, that's that's great when you're watching it, but sometimes air handling units are like children; they don't behave when they're not watched. They'll do something completely different. So once you get done with functional testing, once you make sure that you know, functional testing is done, then you've got to go into a trending mode to really thoroughly verify that that truly is operating like it should. So uh, typically on, on the trending for air handling units, you want to cover the basics. You want to make sure that it, it's on when it's supposed to be on, it's off when it's supposed to be off, and that if it if it's doing something different, you know, during the off cycle, if it if it cycles on because of heat, you want to make sure that you're tracking that as well. So you want to make make sure that you know if there's a zone temperature, an average zone temperature, that it drops below that unoccupied set point, and it trips on the the fan, that it's gonna everything's you know everything's how is it you know how it is as a, what it is expected. Again. Once you get that, uh, you know, whether the unit's on or off, that done, you want to make sure that the discharge air temperature is what you expect it. You don't want it all over the place. Now, this might be a little bit different. If you have, like, a, a DX section or DX cooling, um, it, it may be a little bit more erratic than if you had a chilled water coil. But um, typically, you want to make sure that, you know, you know what the discharge air set point is for the unit. You want to make sure that that tracks it fairly regularly. Uh, you want to make sure that um, if there's any anomalies, the third point, the third step is if you see the anomalies, you want to make sure that everything's, you know, kind of as expected. That there's not a lot of herky jerkiness. Um, that it's constantly trying to trying to adjust more than it should. That's kind of you know you have to have some experience with looking at trends and and being able to figure that out. But that's you know in a nutshell those are the kind of the three trending things that you'd want to do with an air handling unit obviously there's more um and typically you know my rule of thumb is that you start with the basics if they look fine great if something looks a little bit awry you know that that's not quite right you may want to dig a little deeper uh to figure out exactly you know why that is not working the way it is so start at a high level high level go to a lower level if you know as needed, but obviously you know make sure that the unit's working like it should because obviously that's gonna that's gonna make sure that you know everybody you know gets the kind of air that they need to. All right, um, uh, w one other thing. Obviously, I talk trending. Um, sometimes you can do that through the building automation system um, if it has that capability. If that's if it's that type of system, sometimes you're gonna have to use standalone data loggers. Uh, to be able to work that into your um, you know commissioning toolkit, so those are the kind of two different options that you can use with trending. 
typically with trending, I'd like to I'd like to say you know anywhere from nine to eleven days. Um, you want to catch a weekend in there. You want to catch a couple different scenarios. You want to make sure that it it you know it when it goes off for the weekend that it comes back on and and that uh, you know the temperature comes up to speed and, and things like that. So. There's a lot more specifics and a lot more details, but I didn't necessarily want to, you know, dive that deep in into the, you know the nitty gritty. But I want to kind of give you a broad brush view of you know what it is uh, to do air handling and commissioning. So again, kind of reviewing, you want to make sure the information's right. You want to check out the unit, make sure the installation is correct um, inside and out. Uh, you want to do your functional testing, and you want to make sure that uh, you, you follow up with trending because again, things can operate correctly once, but when you watch them over a period of time, that's the only proof in the pudding that you're not going to get called back and there's not going to be issues uh, in the long term. So hopefully you enjoyed that show. That's a lot of talking for me, but I thought it would be a little bit of a topic. You know, every time I uh, end the show with the same message, I'd like to uh, come back and, and, and share a little bit of what I know, uh, break up, you know, break up the, uh, uh, you know, if you like that more, let me know if you like the interviews. Um, you know, definitely that's something I can I can stick to and and, and uh, arrange. But uh, you know, I love all the feedback that I'm getting, and um, you know, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna keep going down the same path that I've been going down. So I appreciate each and every one of you listening every week. You're very special to me. Thank you, thank you so much. Uh, again, you know, you are the top top three percent of the engineers that are out there, that are of the contractors that are out there. You are the the best of the best. Uh, you're learning, you're growing your minds, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck. So I guess until next time, remember, know what you build and share what you know.